0: The message our members hear from me more than any other is consistency, consistency over intensity. On this Saturday cast, one of our Academy alums on the value of consistency through inflection points. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 636.
1: Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential.
0: Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. This is one of the Saturday casts. A few times a year, I air a Saturday episode with one of our members. The next regular episode is still coming on Monday, so this is a extra episode. The Saturday cast are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a leadership development cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to develop leadership excellence and empower each other. You can discover more and get invitations about future opportunities to apply for the Academy by visiting coachingforleaders.com slash academy. Today, I'm so glad to welcome one of our Academy alums for a conversation about inflection points. Who isn't at an inflection point in some way? And of course, so many of us, hit inflection points at all different times in our careers. And I'm so glad to welcome Liz Anderson today for a conversation about this. Liz has extensive experience as a solutions engineering leader, and today is the founder of the Pre-Sales Path. She's also an alum of the Academy. Liz, what a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you so much, Dave. It's great to be here.
0: There's so many things that I'd love to ask you about your journey over the last year, but I think it probably starts with a little bit of context. You had a long and successful career with Slack, and a year ago, you were in a significant leadership role. Could you share perhaps a bit about that? Because I think it frames the context for a lot of the inflection points that have happened since then.
1: Yes, absolutely. And especially because most of the time when you say say things like pre-sales or sales engineer, solutions engineer, solutions consultant, what title don't we have? A lot of people don't know what you mean. So I'll first start with that. So anything in in regards to pre-sales, we're really a technical partner in the sales cycle. So we partner with the sales team, account executives, and our job's really around discovering customers' requirements, giving demos, and answering any technical questions, as well as the myriad of other things that it takes to sell a bit more complicated of a product. I've been doing this for about a decade, and Slack has been a very well-known communication platform. And I was there as a leader for about three, three and a half years, and it it was a great experience.
0: A little over a year ago, you decided to apply for the Academy and reach out to me and we talked. What prompted you to consider working with us?
1: Yeah. So I remember at that time, it feels like forever ago, but I had just gotten word that I did not get the director position. So I had interviewed and a peer of mine had gotten the director of solutions engineering role there. And rather than say, okay, I'll just sit here and do nothing. I really wanted to make sure that I was preparing for that next step, that I wanted to be ready for when that opportunity came up again.
0: And that was a year ago, and a lot has happened since then. And one of the things, of course, when we start in the Academy is that I invite all of our members to begin by crafting a two- to three-year vision of what things will look like in their careers and in their leadership development. As you think back to that time a year ago when we crafted that, what did you want to have come out of the academy that would really prepare you for that next step?
1: Yeah, that was such a valuable exercise because even though at, at that point I thought I had wanted to be director, leading managers of a of a team, which still could be in my future, uh, talking about inflection points. But really, the valuable thing that I thought came out of that was the fact that I really understood how. I could be there. And the how was about me becoming a thought leader in the industry. And I will say it was that little bit that completely changed this past year for me.
0: Ah, what is it that changed?
1: Yeah. So my, I feel like my identity around myself, understanding How much, you talk a lot in the academy about consistency and making small changes and and what can you do today that's just a little bit that helps you get towards that goal and that vision. And it was those things that really helped craft this identity about myself and my brand, which now I don't think I ever would have started the pre-sales path if it wasn't for that shift in myself. And I definitely wouldn't be having some of the opportunities that are coming to me now if I had not also crafted that vision.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking back to that vision, and there were elements in your vision of being a thought leader in the space, but I don't recall there being anything in there of being an entrepreneur and founding a new organization. I mean, it's really interesting no. like how that shifted <laughs> so much, right? And you, there's two words that have come up already. One is consistency. And you know, I'm huge on that. I, I, I mm. say it so much, I'm sure everyone's tired of me saying in the academy, like consistency, right? Not intensity, consistency. And the second word that I'm noticing, that you've already mentioned a couple of times in this conversation is identity. And you and I have talked before about how, identity was really helpful in creating momentum. Tell me about how you thought about identity through this and how did that help?
1: I feel like identity was so important to me because it really solidified your core beliefs. Core beliefs has always been something that's been important to me and, and driven me, but I don't think I really understood it in the context of Crafting a vision for yourself in in your career and honestly outside of your career too. And so having that identity, uh, that really stuck with me because it was not about, it, it became less about what I would be doing in the future and what did that career and what did that role and what did that title look like, but it came more about what do I love to do what do i get energy out of doing and how can i craft this for myself in a way where the things like the titles don't matter anymore which is what i'm doing
0: yeah and there's such a i think there's such an opportunity for so many of us to find more joy in our work and in our learning than i think sometimes we give our permission ourselves permission to be able to do and i find myself using the word joy more than I ever did with our members just around establishing new identities, taking on the commitments we do in the academy, because I've I've just found over time that when someone feels like they sort of have to do something, like something shows up on their vision to say, oh, I really need to do this, like for whatever reason. And and I and I sense a lot of like I feel an obligation that I need to do this. Inevitably those are the the commitments that people don't get as much traction on because they're fighting themselves a bit along the way and and you really every single inflection point of the academy and the commitments i really had the sense that you embrace that in a big way you really zeroed in on what's going to bring me joy not only in the long term but also today too right
1: absolutely and there were a few times i had to change what my commitments were because they just weren't working because it wasn't bringing me joy, I wasn't doing it, or it didn't. It didn't actually serve its the purpose that I thought it was going to.
0: Yeah. Do you recall one of them you changed? Because I think like that's such a key point, and sometimes we feel like we have to nail it right away, but almost never do we. So, do you recall one of them that you shifted?
1: I'll, I'll recall actually the 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 last one I shifted. I thought because this is for context, I was a part of one of the tech layoffs, which is also helping a lot of this inflection point. And that happened during the academy, which I will say was so helpful to have such amazing mentorship and peership from the rest of the group. But I remember thinking in that, okay, I need to make sure that I am keeping my spirits up, keeping my learning going. And so I wanted to Put together a list of what are what have my words of wisdom been for other members of the team? So I create this library, and I was like, "It's going to be great. I'm going to pull from it, and I'm going to have this be in my interviews, and I'm going to remember all these things that I have told all these people." Well, I think that lasted maybe a week, mm. <laughs> and then it became it, it wasn't serving the purpose that it it was supposed to. It felt so much work and just like what you mentioned, it felt not not great. And so I went back to and I did something that was much more in line with what my first it was either my first or second, but an early commitment that I had, which was going and being active in in my community, both on LinkedIn and there's an industry Slack that I'm a part of, that a lot of folks are in, and just going on there on a daily basis. And that just served my purposes way better.
0: You, a few times, as you mentioned during the academy, started something and then you said, nope, you know, it it turns out as I started this, I discovered that it wasn't quite the right thing. And then you shifted really quickly. And by the way, we do commitments in a 60-day timeframe normally. And that is something that I find is really hard for a lot of us, that we start something and we feel like we have to execute on it perfectly the way it was initially written. And that was not as much of an obstacle for you. Along the way, I, f- I really sense that when something wasn't working, you took that as data and then you used it to shift into the, the what's next. When you arrived at that point, what was the indicator to you that it was okay to move and okay to shift?
1: It's an interesting question because I feel like that is just how I've operated a lot of my life is if I feel something that in your gut just doesn't feel right. I've always listened to that because it served me well, but I know not everybody has had either the benefits or the ability to to feel that. But I think in general, what ends up happening is it comes down to a little bit of the joy. There there was a period in my career where I just did the hard thing because it was the hard thing. And then through lots of self-discovery as well as reading some amazing content and listening to some great podcasts, um, I realized that just because something's hard doesn't mean that that's correct or that's right. Sometimes, many times, it actually means it's not correct.
0: You told me recently that there were some things that you did and moved on Because of the framework of the academy that you wouldn't have done otherwise. What is it that you moved on that was helpful?
1: I feel like there's so much there. There's a few things, but I think really getting involved in one of the kind of volunteer things that I do is through something called the Pre-Sales Academy which is kind of a part of what the Pre-Sales Collective, which is that Slack group that I that I kind of mentioned before. It's more than just a Slack group. They do a lot of things, but happen to be on Slack a lot. So the Pre-Sales Academy is, they have this mission of helping bring people into the profession and especially bringing people who have diverse backgrounds into the profession. Because being in Pre-Sales, bring being an SE, not the most diverse uh, set of folks. And so trying to do things that that we can to, to change that. But I think getting more involved in that and understanding that I was a thought leader by becoming the identity that I had written for myself, it helped me feel confident in the fact that, yeah, I... Did have a ton of experience, and I had a lot to give to folks who are just coming into the profession and being willing to do that, and speaking at more events, and just feeling confident in the fact that I had a lot to give to the community, not even just to folks who are coming in, but folks who've been there for a while as well.
0: At some point, there was an inflection point there of having decided to focus on that as an identity. And seeing that show up in your professional interactions and in the connections you've made, and so much more now, of course. When you look back on that time, what did you notice that was different after that inflection point than before?
1: What I remember this so vividly, and it really helped me shift my thinking. And that was, I was just starting to be more active in the community. And then I got feedback. Back from folks that I had talked with, or people reaching out to me and saying, basically telling me that I was instrumental in their SE journey, or I was known in the community to be, I was like, well known in the community. And it wasn't until I heard somebody say that, that kind of hit, because I had always thought of myself as like, kind of on the outskirts, like, I'm in it. The people who know me know me, people in my network. But the fact that there were people that I had never had conversations with who knew about me, that was a really big, that that was a big thing for me.
0: How much of those data points were there before you decided to take on that as an identity?
1: I won't say that they were none. Because yeah. I think they existed. And now, knowing what I know, looking back, I can identify those things. Uh, but without having that be a focus. And part of, I know your commitment is also understanding like, what are those data points back? And like, how do you know that you're doing a good job? And that, that piece. Even though it seems at the time, it's actually not important. You realize later, like, wow, that was important.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but I will say they were less because I wasn't focused on it. And even if there were, I couldn't
0: see it before. Yeah. I would. As you were saying that, I, the reason I asked that is because I've noticed this pattern again and again, that when we as human beings decide on something, like we decide something is Important to put our intention on, it's like when you think about buying a certain model of vehicle right or or an electric vehicle as our family bought in the last six months, all of a sudden you see them all over the place on the road, like, Oh, there they are, right? because you're in that space of being intentional about that. And I see that happen so much with the identities that our members take on too and how interesting that you saw that as well too that some of those were there but having then decided to put your attention there that you noticed them and then of course as you put your attention there they started to grow and the quantity grew over time it's it's really it's really cool
1: absolutely and and the thing is even if i did see them let me tell you like imposter syndrome is a thing i feel like I don't know of anybody who doesn't experience it, oh, <laughs> I yeah, feel like, me too. but even if I did see it, that imposter syndrome would have come and been like, mm, that's that's a fluke. That's not actually reality.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that like that's still there for, I think, most of us, those feelings of, I know I still, I mean, despite all the objective evidence to the contrary, I still find myself like struggling with that in the context of the podcast and of interviewing people. And, and I know it's like, but it's just stuff. It's stuff that's there. And so it's not a, it's never like an on and off switch, but it's interesting. Like once you have a different script to hold that counters that a bit and say, Hey, well, yes, and like there's another story here that also can be true in addition to the doubt and the struggle and all those things that we all feel whenever we're doing something that's worth doing and worth learning, that also there can be the script of this is something I've decided to do and decided to get better at and decided to find joy in as you have. And what a, what a wonderful decision that you made to do that.
1: Absolutely. And can I tell you also something, Dave? I don't think I've actually told you this before, but I almost didn't apply for the academy because I thought at that point, I'd only been in management for two years, but like two years where I had hired a ridiculous number of people and done, had so much change at Slack during that time. There was an acquisition, there was a DPO, there's all these things that had happened in that time frame, But I thought I wasn't going to get in. I thought I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this and, you know, hey, it'll be good. I did it, but I'm not going to get in for at least the next couple of years. And I one day I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to apply and I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that I did and that I didn't let that get in the way.
0: I'm so glad you did too. And it's it's interesting that I you're not the first person that's told me that, and I think I've unintentionally sent the message with the Academy of like, oh, there's a certain level that you need to be at as far as experience. And there are qualifications for the Academy, and one of them is being a manager. That said, we also have every single cohort, as you know, we have folks who are at senior leadership levels, owners of firms, executive level, and we always have folks who are a couple in every cohort who are in their first year or two of formal management and i've always felt that that's really important and essential actually because so much of our work is about objective perspective and our senior folks help provide that for our more junior folks in their careers but also the opposite's true like sometimes that more experienced person needs to hear the perspective from someone that's earlier in their career of, here's how that would have landed with me if I was an employee in your organization and I heard you saying this. And uh, and it's it's so interesting like how much we all can really learn from each other in the context of leadership. We do share some things that are all the same of being managers and working in a certain size organization, but it is, and this reminds me, I can't remember if I've shared this on the on the podcast before, so forgive me if this is a repeat for anyone but several years ago we had a, a member who had joined the academy and he was very early in his career Liz much earlier than you and he had been a manager for i think six or nine months when he applied he was he was one of our more inexperienced managers and he the first i remember the first few sessions he was a little quieter than some of our other members and we got into about I think maybe the third month together. And we were doing a bit of a debrief on our journey so far. And he said, when I showed up for this and was accepted, I just sort of assumed that I was going to be the one learning from everyone and that you all had this all figured out. And he said, now that we've had three months of conversations, I realize nobody has this all figured out. <laughs> it's it's like we're all struggling with stuff. Yeah, it's a different struggle when you're at the senior VP level than if you're at the frontline management level. But but a struggle nonetheless, and that the perspective from others of helping each other to move forward is, is really huge. And we had that same thing happen in our cohort, didn't we?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I'm sure you probably see it all the time, but... I loved everybody had a different perspective. Everybody had different things to share. And it was that collective understanding that we're all just figuring it out and we're all going to take knowledge from different places. And it's great to have that collective group to come to. That was the best thing.
0: Speaking of figuring things out, you have told me recently that. You're a better advocate for yourself on your achievements than you have been in the past. What changed?
1: I'm a better advocate for myself because I think just experience and that, hate to say everything always comes back to the identity, but it really does. And believing and being in that identity is so important for that advocacy it helped me understand that I was worth that advocacy and that the more I advocated for myself, the more that I could help other people, which at the end of the day, I just, I really just want to be of service to people. I i find the most fulfillment from being able to help people in the things that matter most to them.
0: It's one of the reasons that you were accepted to the academy it was because I had I, I sensed that heart in you from the very beginning. And it's one of the reasons I talk to everyone personally, of course, when they apply, is that when you have that heart and that intention, then everything else becomes simpler. Not easy, <laughs> as we've all, all yeah. discovered as we go, right? I mean, it still is, is challenging, but it is I'm, I'm always confident that we're going to get there. And that the path becomes clear. When that heart's not there, it, that makes it so much harder. And that's that's why you know, I think this has worked so well. I mean, you looking at this from a standpoint of heart and the compassion to want, like so many in our community. Of yeah, I'm I'm focusing on my leadership development, but I'm not I'm not just doing that for me. Yeah, it helps me in my career, but I'm really doing that because. I want to serve other people better. I want to help organization. I want to do something that really makes a true and genuine positive contribution to the world. Like That's the dream we all had when we were kids, right? And sometimes we forget that when we get into our professional roles and the years go by. And I think like you having had, being so true to that, and then putting a framework together of, okay, working with others, the identity, the commitments, the vision, like, it just accelerated what you would have done on your own anyway. And that's why I'm so proud of you that you did that in such genuine and consistent ways.
1: Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that.
0: You know, I af- I often ask people what they've changed their minds on at the end of conversations. A lot's happened in the last year. As you reflect on this last year, what's one thing you've changed your mind on?
1: I don't know if I can answer just one, Dave. I've. Changed my mind about basically waiting to start my pre-sales coaching business. That's something that as of recording this, I've just created it this past month, which I'm excited about. And there's such a need for it that, you know, I've already had some amazing conversations. That was something that I thought I would do in five to 10 years, not now, but I definitely changed my mind about that. I also changed my mind about what what I need to be doing and what my the typical 5 or 10 year plan is and what that looks like for me and it's much less about what are the logistical aspects of that and more about what's the heart of that.
0: And I think it's such a great testament to you that so many people have reached out to you as you have started a new venture and and you are involved in so many things already which is super cool and it goes back to that heart and the intention you have and it's just it's it's such an exciting time i can't wait to see what happens and you know, you and I were joking before we started this conversation that we're going to link up to your LinkedIn profile because inevitably there'll be some change once folks (laughs) hear this episode and click on it of like what happened next. And I am super excited to see what that is. Um, Thank you for being such a inspiration for all of us and such an important voice in our community.
1: Thank you. I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to change when this podcast airs as well.
0: Liz Anderson is the founder of the Pre-Sales Path. An alum of our academy. Liz, thanks as always for your time. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. If this conversation with Liz was helpful to you, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 376, How to Be the Person You Want to Be. James Clear was my guest on that episode. We talked about many of the principles from his best-selling book, Atomic Habits. And one of the key principles from James is thinking about... The shifts we make in terms of identity, not just as goals. We talked a bit about identity in this conversation as well. Episode 376, a deep dive on that with James. I'd also recommend episode 555, How to Nail a Job Transition. Sekinder Singh-Cassidy was my guest on that episode and an extraordinarily accomplished executive. And One of the key points she makes in that conversation is that we often think about inflection points As these do or die moments, once we make this particular decision at this particular moment of our career, we could never go back and everything's going to come back to this one decision point in front of us. And the reality is, is that's almost never true. It's not so much what we decide on any one day or in any one interaction or in any one career change. It is the sum total of all the decisions that we've made. And again, back to the consistency. Episode 555 for a bit. Of uh, inspiration on that, especially if you're at a transition point right now. I'd also recommend episode 631, my recent conversation with Gladys McGarry, How to Get Moving, a 102-year-old physician. She joined me in that episode to talk about the importance of movement and keeping moving. And I love that she has a 10-year plan for her vision still. Uh, Really an extraordinary conversation with Gladys. And then finally, I'd recommend one of the resources inside of our free membership, My free audio course on how to get traction with a new habit. I walk you through step-by-step a number of the tools that we utilize inside of the academy to get you started. It's a good starting point if you're ready to get moving on your own on starting to frame a commitment and identity, how to get traction with a new habit. That audio course will be helpful as a first step for you. All of those episodes, of course, are on the Coaching for Leaders website, and I'm inviting you to set up your free membership for access not only to that audio course, but all of the other benefits inside of the free membership. Uh, One of the benefits is this series of audio courses that I've aired over the years. They're all inside of the free membership. Once you register, just click on Courses. You'll see all the details there. You can track your progress as you go. Tons of notes and links from me, plus the ability to search the entire episode library since 2011 by topic. It makes it very easy for you to track down exactly what you're looking for, plus a ton more, including my weekly guide, interview notes, and more included in the free membership. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com. That'll give you the access to everything going forward. And if you're looking for a bit more and would like to get access to my writing, my monthly articles with reflections on some of what we've learned from guests in the past and also my own personal reflections, I'd invite you to learn more about Coaching for Leaders Plus. It's one of the key benefits inside of Coaching for Leaders Plus. You can discover more by going to coachingforleaders.plus. And the next episode's coming this Monday. I'm glad to welcome Vanessa Patrick to the show. We're going to be talking about how to handle pushback from difficult askers. We've talked about saying no on the podcast before, but how do you say no when the other party doesn't respond so well to the no. That conversation with Vanessa coming on Monday. Join us for that, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Take care.